Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Hebrews chapter 9. I just want to say thank you for listening and thank you for watching on YouTube. But most of all, thank you for sharing the Grind It Podcast with people that you know. Because when you share the Grind It Podcast, uh, I'm just going to be honest with you, it's really an easy way to share Jesus. Um, A lot of people aren't comfortable talking about Jesus and talking about their faith. But hey, you know, when you're standing in line, you're talking about what you're cooking for supper or whatever. Uh, it, it's easy to talk about stuff like that. But when it comes to Jesus, I don't know. For some reason, we get nervous. We lock up. We, we have a lot of fear and anxiety about it. So we can easily tell somebody about the podcast. And so thank you for sharing the Grounded Podcast with your with the people that you know. Because when you share the Grounded Podcast, you're sharing Jesus. And you're giving people the opportunity to hear about Jesus and to know Jesus and to grow with Jesus. So thank you uh, for all that you do and supporting the Grind It Podcast with your prayers and, and, and sharing the podcast and, and the comments and your encouraging words. So just thank you uh, for being a part of the Grind It Podcast and listening and watching as well. But let's jump on into uh, the, the last part of Hebrews chapter 9. And the message that the, the author is conveying to his audience is Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And he's trying to persuade them not to go back into Judaism because they're being persecuted and, and that they have lost or are losing their confidence in Jesus and walking with Jesus. And they're looking at Judaism because, hey, when we were in Judaism, we didn't have to put up with all this persecution stuff. So it, it, it's just easier. And so they're they're either going back into Judaism or they're considering going back into Judaism. And so the the Hebrew author writes this letter saying, hey, stick it out with Jesus because Jesus is better. And he just goes through all these uh, points of how Jesus is better. And in chapter 9, uh, he starts breaking down the tabernacle, going to something that they would be very familiar with from the Old Testament being a Jewish audience. And he starts talking about the contents of the tabernacle and how the the things that were inside the tabernacle, they all pointed to Jesus. And if you haven't listened to the previous podcast for Hebrews chapter 9, part 1, I encourage you to go back and do that because we discussed that pretty thoroughly about the tabernacle and what those things were and what they meant. But in, in Hebrews 9 and the, through the rest of the chapter, he's going to continue uh, this theme uh, of, of the tabernacle and the sacrifices and the old covenant and how Jesus has established this new covenant. And this new covenant is better. So stay with Jesus. And so he says in verse 13, Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes, the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify your consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one 
who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. So there's a few things to consider in this part of this passage. Um, if you think about this, all the, the millions of sacrifices that were made throughout the Old Testament, starting with Adam and Eve when God killed that animal to make their clothing, and from there on out when God established the covenant with Abraham and, and Moses comes along and, the, and the, uh, he leads the people out and the tabernacle is made and all these sacrifices uh, begin to happen and to cover uh, the, the people's sin. It, 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 can only, it, it can only cleanse their body ceremonial, ceremonially. It, it can never forgive sin. It can never wash away sin. All of the sacrifices that were made can never wash away one sin. It was all ceremonially done. But the Hebrew author says, The blood of Jesus will purify our conscience from sin so that we can worship God. So that is how powerful the blood of Jesus Christ is, that it washes away our sins, our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. If we continue to walk with Jesus, our sins are forgiven. The penalty of sin is not being held against us anymore because we have been set free from that bondage of sin. And we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. But also, we can now have a clean and pure conscience so that we can worship God. The forgiveness that Jesus offers is not ceremonial like the old covenant was. It's the real deal. It literally washes away our sin. And when we know that our sins are forgiven, there is no greater feeling uh, that, that, that comes with that. And also, it gives us some of the greatest peace that we can ever experience. Uh, and that's, that's the peace that God gives that Paul talks about. Um, this peace that surpasses all understanding. Another thing that I want to mention is this, that when we are washed in the blood of Jesus, our conscience, he says our conscience is purified so that we can worship. But here's a key word that I skipped over in the, uh, in, in the, in the first point that I wanted to make. But our, when we're washed in the blood of Jesus, our conscience is purified so that we can worship. And here's the key word. We can worship the living God. The living God, he says. And, and I think he threw that word in there for a reason. Living God. Because all of those sacrifices that were made, millions of sacrifices in the Old Testament, that were made, all of those sacrifices, when they were killed and their blood was drained from their bodies, they're dead. And they're gone. And they're going to be burnt as an offering to God. And, and they're gone forever. But Jesus, God in the flesh, yes, they, they watched him die on the cross. They watched him being buried. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea took his body down from the cross and carried it to Joseph of Arimathea's tomb and placed his body in that tomb and it was sealed shut. And you don't break the seal because it meant death if you broke the seal. But three days later, that dead body came alive and Jesus came out 
of the tomb. He, he, he is alive. He is, even though he was and is our sacrifice, he is our Passover lamb, yes, they saw him die, but Paul says that over 500 people saw him alive. He he was eating fish. He would appear in a room with the disciples. And he says, is that fish you got on the table? Yes, yeah, give me some of that fish. And he eats fish. And he says, do goat, because they thought he was a ghost. He says, do ghosts eat fish? No, they don't. And he says, I'm alive. When 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 Mary came to visit the tomb and he, she thought that Jesus was the gardener and, and, and the gardener. And, and so he, you know, she's having this conversation with him, not realizing that he's Jesus. When he calls her by her name, because she's walking away from him, and, and he says, Mary, and she realized it was Jesus, and she runs and she grabs his feet, and she wraps her arms around his legs, and he says, don't cling to me, but go go to my brethren and tell them that I am alive, and that I'm going to be ascending to my father and to their father, to your father, to my God and your God. And so the key word here is we are worshiping a living God. God. Yes, all those sacrifices in the Old Testament died and they're gone. Jesus died and was resurrected. And and then he ascends to the Father 40 days later. And that's what the Hebrew author is saying to them over and over and over again. He is alive. He is sitting at the Father's right hand. He is making intercession for us. And he, he has shed his blood for us that our sins can be forgiven, that we can have a clean and a purified conscience before God and we can approach the throne of God because of the blood that Jesus shed and we can um, uh, worship this living God um, the, a, a third thing that I want to talk about um, it says Jesus was a perfect sacrifice that was offered to God on our behalf but here's the deal if Jesus and it's not if but Jesus was perfect he, and that's what the Hebrew author says, he was that perfect sacrifice that was, it was offered one time, not over and over and over again, but one time that he offered himself to God on our behalf. But the problem is, see, we're imperfect. Jesus is perfect. We are imperfect. Therefore, Jesus mediates this new covenant between us and God. It, because he's alive it's like you see these drawings or you hear people talking about the cross being a bridge and how the cross bridged the gap between man and god how sin has separated man from god and now jesus dying on the cross and becoming our sacrifice he has bridged that gap by dying on the cross and then coming out of that tomb victorious three days later he was that perfect sacrifice it was made one time on our behalf we are imperfect but through the blood of Jesus Christ we are made perfect because Jesus when God looks down from heaven he looks at us if we've given our lives to Christ and we've been washing the blood of Jesus then God looks at us through that filter through the the blood of Jesus and we are forgiven of our sins and therefore, we are perfect, not because of anything that we have done, but because of everything that Jesus has done, that he laid down his life, that he offered himself for you 
and me, which is mind-blowing because we do not deserve that kind of love that God has shown us. Um, But he says, uh, he mediates this new covenant between us and God because he is alive. And because of his sacrifice, we who are called can receive eternal inheritance from God. Who would not want an inheritance from God? Can you imagine you know, people die and they leave an inheritance for their their children, and and you know, and it's usually you know their their belongings and the money that they have saved up, and and, and that's great. But can you imagine getting an inheritance from God and how awesome that would be? It, but but here's what I want to point out. He he says, we who are called can receive an inheritance from God. So who are the called then? If, if we want an inheritance and we want to get an inheritance from God, then we got to be one of the called. So what's he talking about? Who are the called? Is, is it just a handful of people, kind of like the Jews from the Old Testament? They were God's chosen people. The Gentiles were kind of just left out of it. And, and, and so is it in, in the New Testament then, after Jesus has offered his uh, body as a sacrifice between us and God, then, then who are the called? You know, the church is, is, is in the Greek, is ecclesia. They are the called out ones. That's what ecclesia means, to, to be called out. That is the church. So who then are the called? Is it a few people? Is it a certain nationality? Uh, who are the called? Well, I want to answer that with Acts chapter 17, verse 30. This says, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone, everywhere, to repent of their sins and turn to him. So anybody that has walked the face of the earth has been called by God. Because he has commanded everyone, everywhere, no matter where we are, no matter where we were born, no matter where we were raised, no matter where we are living now on this planet, God is calling all men, all women to repent of their sins and turn to him. That is the called. You are the called. If you are hearing my voice, you are called by God. He is offering you an inheritance. He is offering you the opportunity to be with him in heaven for eternity. It's that simple. And so you have a choice to make to either reject that offer or accept that offer. And when we accept that offer, when we accept what Jesus has done for us on the cross, and we're washed in his blood, and we're baptized for the remission of our sins, and we're filled with his Holy Spirit, it just brings so much peace because we have been set free from the penalty of sin. And that's what he, he's going, going to say. He says, For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. And see, that is something that the blood of all those animals millions of sacrifices that were made in the in, under that old covenant under that old system uh, it can never do uh, 
uh, it, it, it can never, the, the, that blood of those animals could never, um, um, it can never set us free from the penalty of sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can do that. Only the blood of Jesus can set us free from the grip, if you will, of sin. It gives us the blood of Jesus Christ. It gives us freedom, if you will, from sin. And what's interesting is I was typing these notes just just a little bit ago. Uh, I, I listen to YouTube uh, when I, and listen to music when I'm when I'm typing these notes for these podcasts and and. And so as I'm sitting here typing, uh, Chris Tomlin's Resurrection Power started playing. Literally, as I was typing this sentence about the blood of Jesus has set us free, the blood of Jesus has given us freedom from sin. As I was typing those words, Chris Tomlin's Resurrection Power started playing in the background. And I want to read those lyrics to you, just a, a little bit of it. He says, now I have resurrection power living on the inside. Jesus, you have given us freedom. I'm no longer bound by sin and darkness. Living in the light of your goodness, you have given us freedom. Freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. My chains are gone. Freedom. You have given us freedom. You've given us freedom. Hallelujah. Freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. My chains are gone. Freedom, you have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. Hallelujah. Now I have resurrection power living on the inside. Now I'm no longer bound by sin and darkness. Living in the light of your goodness, you have given us freedom. And I thought that was just so cool that I was typing the, 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 those notes out about Jesus the blood of Jesus setting us free from the power of sin and giving us freedom. And then here comes Chris Tomlin on the radio singing about the resurrection power and how Jesus has given us freedom. No longer bound by sin and darkness because he has given us freedom. In John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus was talking to some Jews and he says, uh, he says So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But I want to put that in context. I want to go and read verses 31 through 38 and listen to what they say. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But we, but they say, but we are descendants of Abraham. Uh, we're, we have never been slaves to anyone. So what do you mean you will be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins, and that's everybody, doesn't matter if you're a child of Abraham or not, and that's what the Jews are saying, we're, we're, we're a child of Abraham, we're not, we're not enslaved to anybody, we're not, we're, we've been set free a long time ago because we're Jews. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever that's what we want to be we want to be sons we want to be daughters and not slaves so if the son sets you free you are truly free yes i realize that you're descendants of abraham and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message i'm telling you what i saw when i was with my father 
but you are following the advice of your father. And so they go back and forth. Jesus is saying that uh, that they're of the devil, that the their father is the devil, and they're trying to tell Jesus that he's a freak and that he uh, has a demon that he's demon possessed, and and they try to kill him. Uh, they try to stone him. But Jesus says. Uh, that you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful in my teachings, and you will know the truth. I, Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right in verse thirty two here, he says, and you will know the truth. You will know me. I am truth. Jesus says, and the truth I will set you free. Free from what? Free from sin. Free from sin. It's so awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. And so the Hebrew author goes on to write, he says, Now when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that that person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. There had to be, there had to be death for that first covenant to ever start taking effect to cover Israel's sins. And that's what he says. That is why the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people <clears throat> using his hyssop branches and scarlet wool. And then he said, This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact... According to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And that is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of the things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. So just a couple of things I want to uh, mention uh, before we close out this podcast. The Hebrew author says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And if, if you think about it, you go all the way back to Adam and, and, um, Adam and Eve when, when they uh, were duped by Satan, by the snake, by the serpent, and they wanted to be like God, even though they already had perfect communion with God and everything was great. I mean, it was literally perfect. And then they started doubting, and then they ate of that fruit, which God said, don't eat of, and that was sin. Sin is anything that goes against what God says to do or not to do. And so they ate the fruit, sin enters in, 
and they try to cover up themselves because they were now they they were they were always naked but now they they know they're naked and this time once they ate that fruit and sin has entered in they felt shame and so they try to when god comes walking through the garden one day uh, they try to cover themselves up with leaves and and they try to hide from god and god knew what was going on and he even asked them the question what what are you doing what why are you hiding what's going on and and so they start playing the blame game right but anyway so god then takes an animal and kills the animal and that is the first sacrifice that has been made and god takes that animal skin and makes clothing for adam and eve and covers up their shame and that and it's pretty cool because that was the first sacrifice and blood had to be shed because without the 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 animal being sacrificed god couldn't have made the clothing and when god killed that animal blood was shed and then he put that clothing on adam and eve and covered up their shame from their sin and then after the tabernacles made uh moses kills animals and dips hyssop which is this like a leafy looking uh, uh, like a, a lettuce leafy looking plant and dipped it in blood and would sprinkle the blood all over this stuff that was used for worship and so the, without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness and then what did jesus do he he shed his blood before the cross he was beat mercifully he was brutally beaten and there was blood shed i don't know if you've ever seen the passion of the christ but it, it's a brutal uh picture of what jesus went through and i'm sure what jesus really went through was probably much worse than what they show on that film is as graphic and drastic as it is um but Jesus shed his blood even before the cross and then he gets on the cross and and he's still just bleeding profusely from his head from his hands uh from his back from the nails in his feet and so he he would just be a bloody mess and and uh he was beaten so badly Isaiah says in chapter 52 that we wouldn't even recognize Jesus even though he's right there before us on the cross that's how badly he was beaten and and so the hebrew author says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness so all those animals were sacrificed in the old testament and then jesus comes along and he sheds his own blood he willingly laid down his life pilate said i got the i got the power the authority to release you and jesus looks at pilate and says you have no power you have no authority except for what my father gives you and this is god's will so i'm laying down my life you're not taking it from me I'm laying it down willingly. And so he sheds his blood to be that once and for all sacrifice, our Passover lamb, so that our sins can be forgiven. And that's the second thing that I want to talk to you about when the Hebrew author says, but the real things in heaven had to be purified because what's going on in earth with the tabernacle, he says this is just a copy of what's what it's like in heaven and what's going on in heaven. And so he says but the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals and therefore Jesus offered himself to be the once and for all sacrifice. And I just want to read Revelation chapter 5 um because it just paints it just paints a picture of 
what the Hebrew author is saying in a beautiful way. And Revelation 5 pictures the scene like this. John says, I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. And there was writing on the inside and outside of the scroll. And it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion, now catch this, the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's Jesus. But he's called a lion here. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He, Jesus, is worthy to open the scroll and the seven seals. Then I, now watch this. Now he was called a lion, right? Verse 6. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. And that's exactly what Isaiah said, that Jesus was like a lamb led to the slaughter in chapter 53. He was called the Lion of Judah. But in verse 6, John says, I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings among the 24 elders. He has seven horns and seven eyes, which represents the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out in every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders, they fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. How cool is that? And they sang a new song with these words. Listen to the words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus. Can you imagine how awesome this is? And here's the song, the chorus they sang. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And they sang, blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the Lamb. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of Jesus. Called the Lion of Judah. But then he comes out as a lamb. And John says he was a lamb that was just brutally, brutally beaten and slaughtered and killed. And you see all of these beings worshiping the lamb, Jesus, because of what he had done. And he, had, he has shed his blood. He has become the once and for all sacrifice 
for anybody and everybody who will accept his call. And I've already established that God calls every man. He commands every woman to repent of their sins and turn to him. And then I want to end with this. The Hebrew author said, just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once, one time, for all time, as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins. That's already been done. But to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Here's the bottom line. We're not getting off this planet alive. Death is coming and there's no way to avoid it. It's going to happen. It can happen while we're young. It can happen while we're middle-aged. It can happen when we're old. But at some point, death is coming. Now, I don't know anybody, maybe a few people, I don't know, that likes talking about death. Some people may be fascinated by death. I don't know. I'm not. But a lot of people are scared to death, literally scared to death, scared of death, because they're afraid to die. But we don't have to fear death. Why? And that's what Psalm 23 is all about. Because we have a shepherd who will lead us. And it's the lamb that was slaughtered. He has. We don't have to fear death, the power of death. We know it's coming. We can't stop it. But there is something we can do about it. We can give our lives to Jesus Christ and be washed in his blood and be filled with his spirit and walk with him on a daily basis. And when death comes and when we lay down our, our heads and, and our heart beats its last breath, beat and our and we breathe for the last time we know where we're going we're safe because jesus will be bringing salvation to us jesus will be bringing the inheritance of god to us and everything that god has will be ours because we're not slaves anymore to sin we're we're, we're free because we've been washed in the blood of jesus and we have his peace and there's no other peace like God's peace. Jesus is coming again, and nobody knows when. If they think they do, they have no idea what they're talking about. But Jesus is coming again. And if we are found faithful, and we are found serving Him, and we are eagerly waiting for Him, and I I believe there's a reason why the Hebrew author is choosing these words. Because these people, they're wavering. Their faith is wavering, and they're and and they're leaving Jesus, and they're 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 leaving the only way to be saved. They're leaving the only person that can get them into heaven, that can cleanse them of their sins, so that they can be uh, standing before God. And so he says, if we are found to be faithful, if we're found serving Him, if, if we're eagerly waiting for Him, He will bring salvation to us as well as that great inheritance that we can only imagine how great it's going to be. So I want to leave you with this question. And it's a question you have to answer on your own. Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus? Is your conscience clean before God? Because if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit of God, then you are still bound 
in the chains of sin. And Jesus is the only one who can set you free. Have you given Jesus your life? And are you walking with Jesus? If I can help you in any way to make that decision, or if I can encourage you, if you maybe you've made that decision, but you, you know, like the Hebrew people here, uh, like these Jewish people, uh, maybe something is shaking your faith and you need prayer, you need some encouragement, I would love to pray for you. Anything that I can help you with, please contact us here at the Grinded Podcast at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and we will help you in any way that we can. If you're not local, we will find somebody in your area that will answer any question you have, that will pray for you, pray with you, and help meet the needs that you share with us. But God bless you. Thank you for listening today. And and we will pick up with Hebrews chapter 10 in the next podcast. So God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And thank you for sharing the Grounded Podcast. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grounded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.